0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Switch Statement podcast. It's a podcast for investigations into
1: miscellaneous tech topics. This is episode four in our series on the design of everyday things by Don Norman. Hey, John. Hey, Matt. How are you? How's it going? I'm going good. I'm going good. How are you? Uh, yeah,
0: you always have that. You always got to figure out. Did they did They ask me, how is it going, or how am I doing?
1: I need to check back at the previous episodes and see what you usually ask. I feel like you were throwing me a curveball. I paused. Yeah, I, I did, you know, mix it up a little bit. But. It's really easy to trip me up. Uh, so what are we talking about today? This is chapter well, three? Actually, yeah. So this is the first
0: part of chapter three uh as mentioned last time uh it's called knowledge in the head and in the world i feel like this guy is slowly i don't know we're witnessing his descent into complete <laughs> incoherence or yes. something uh i really hope he doesn't uh listen to this uh, podcast but uh <laughs> but actually you your point was was very relevant to uh the intro of this book Um, where he talks about how uh, he had that example where the UK released their new pound note or pound coin. Yeah. And it was so similar to the existing pound or the existing five pence coin that like everybody was mistaking them.
1: Yeah, he talks a lot about how humans are basically just glorified pattern matchers. Uh, That's one of our primary abilities and so if, a, you know, a coin comes out that's really, really similar to another coin, maybe same color, similar size, then people are just going to completely confuse it with that other coin. There's the the uh, French example that he gave that I wasn't familiar with, but then there's the yeah. United States example with the Susan B. Anthony coin. Yes, yes. That looks very similar to a quarter. And yeah, I'll have to admit, when I saw that Susan B. Anthony coin, I was like, what is this? Is this like, the you know, the new quarter? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, 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 and then and then uh, do they
0: they still have the Chicago uh dollar right? That it's the, the golden oh yeah one, yeah the golden right? dollar yeah, which I am um, a I'm a fan of yeah. It's nice. It's got it's got a weight in. It's still about the same size as a quarter, though, right? Right, but it's got that beautiful
1: golden color. It's it's golden. Yes, like a like a. Galleon from Harry Potter. <laughs> yes. This anecdote about coins made me think about uh, that big Eisenhower dollar coin. Have you ever seen yes, one of those? Yes. I loved those. I yes. love those too. And I, it made me wonder, and this is a thing I've often wondered. <laughs> Which is like, what happened to that coin? Like, did people just not like it? Was it too big? Too it was enormous.
0: It was enormous. Like, so you it's couldn't awesome. Have, I guess the thing is, is, like, how many of those really are you carrying around at one time? Hundreds. Like, you just need a yeah, hundred. Yeah. Just like, Mr. Moneybags, uh, dude. People could the big like
1: dollar sign shoot uh, you, the- and you just survive because you have like Eisenhower protecting you all over the place. No way. No way, they shoot you and they, uh, they,
0: you know, it's the bandit with the big goofy black mask uh, and the like black and white suit or like, you know, the stripes and then he yeah. runs away with it. Um,
1: that coin, um, I don't know, like, well, I don't want to go on a massive tangent about the Eisenhower coin, but I feel like it was the rare example where we, maybe not rare example, but in our currency, we're, uh, have a scientific Uh, you know, we're sort of like celebrating science because I think the reverse side of the coin was the Apollo 11 logo. Oh, That's Um, cool. Wait, in the Eisenhower dollar? Yeah, I think. I, I hope I'm not making this up. I feel like someone told me this at one point. I hope I'm not just like repeating some rumor. But anyway, I just thought that was like a very cool detail about the coin because, you know, generally our coins have politicians or I don't know. They just celebrate things that I'm not as interested in. And yeah. I like I like currency to celebrate scientists. Um, before before
0: we continue on, just a note about how we're going to break this chapter down. This one's kind of a hard one pinned down. We're not going to have... These aren't as well-defined as maybe the last one was. Uh, but I think roughly we're going to talk about memory. He goes into uh, a lot about memory in this chapter. Uh, and then the next one's kind of going to be a grab bag of, of a few different things. You know, he talks about mappings and then I also kind of want to get into the, the trade off between, you know, the chapter is called knowledge in the head and knowledge in the world. Yeah. We'll get into what those mean, but like, it's kind of, there's kind of a tension there when you're designing something. Do you want to bias more towards knowledge in the head, or do you want to bias more towards knowledge in the world? I want to talk about why you might want to do one or the other. So, uh, we'll talk about that in the
1: next episode. Love that. Uh, So what does it mean? What do those both mean?
0: Yeah. Let's, let's at least call that out early on. Uh, so knowledge in the head, it it was a slightly different, uh, like it didn't mean what I thought it was going to mean. No. um, but knowledge in the head is like you as the user of the of whatever you're using the oven the programming language what have you you have spent the time to read the manual you understand about how it works you know what's possible even if there are no signifiers uh, yeah. in the system and then you can just kind of like do it and an example is uh Let's say you're learning how to type. A keyboard is kind of a perfect example where you can kind of transition from knowledge in the world mode to knowledge in the head mode, where at first you're hunting, you're pecking, you're just looking, all your keys have the letters on them, and you go to, you have to look down every time you want to type a letter. That's yeah. knowledge in the world. Right. The point being that, like, the world, in this case, the keyboard, has which letter each key corresponds to. So you can just look and figure out the man. You don't need to read the manual, like reference something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's clearly buttons that you can press and it, it, it like look, looks like what it does or it does what it looks like it would do where, you know, you press each button and it like inputs the letter, you know?
0: Right. And then if you, if you've been typing for a really long time, you took a typing course, what have you, that knowledge is just. It's just in your brain. You're not, you don't need to reference the world in that case. It's just in the head. You can use it without having to like, look at the, look at the keyboard. That's one pretty clear example how you could, even when you're using a particular object, even if the knowledge is still in the world, you could kind of move to a mode where you're basically using, it's the, the knowledge has moved from the world to your head, through Like extensive usage. So that's,
1: that's how I would describe it. Yeah. No, no, that was perfect. And he also breaks down, well, this was my understanding. He breaks down knowledge in the head into these two groups, knowledge of and knowledge how. Mm, Yes. Where knowledge of, which I guess is also known as declarative knowledge, is those things that you were talking about, kind of knowledge of facts, like rules. Uh, I think he gave an example of red lights. Like red lights is just kind of this arbitrary thing that we just decided on as a society, but it means that you need to stop. Um, And then knowledge how is also known as procedural knowledge. And it's basically the knowledge of how to do something. You know, like if you're a piano player and you slowly gain the knowledge how to perform a Chopin piece over time. And it's generally extremely hard to to explain what's actually going on as you're doing something like that. But it's all these little tiny, you know, pieces of information that you've picked up over time and over years of practice, all sort of coming together in this performance. One thing that's really interesting to me in this realm is speech
0: pathology. Like if you have a speech teacher, you know, a perfect example of something that, who can describe what your tongue is supposed to do when you're making an R sound, for example? An R is, like, a very weird thing. You're, you know, if you have sounds where your tongue is specifically touching different parts of your your mouth, like, those are a little bit easier sounds to make. It's like, there's a very specific place where your tongue is supposed to go. Mm-hmm. With, like, an R, your tongue is, like, moving, it, it, it's... It's not like it landing anywhere particular when you make that sound. So it's actually one of the more difficult sounds to make. But, um, but so as a speech pathologist, you have to basically trick students by having them do all of these other things. Uh, like one example, my sister, she couldn't say SH sounds very well. And they had her suck applesauce through a straw uh to like as an exercise to get her to and it's like i'm not sure if this was like strengthening a muscle or if it was like they just learned that if you did that action then you would learn how
1: to say sh sounds i don't know but it sounds like the teacher just wants their students to do weird activities
0: do something do
1: go go suck this applesauce through a straw for an hour later they just laugh about it and talk with their friends um, but yeah, so, uh, that, that's a, that's
0: an interesting example of, of a challenge, I think, to take something that is so intrinsic yeah, and how do you
1: convey that to another person? But Right. No, I mean, and it really is a testament to like teaching being its own amazing skill that you can be, you know, deeply knowledgeable about.
0: Um, right.
1: I, th- I think there's this general kind of dismissal of teachers. I shouldn't say that. There's probably not a general dismissal of teachers, but um, you know, it, there's such a big difference between like being able to do something and being able to teach something. Um, but I mean, I think the dismissal
0: is not of the general public. It's kind of of capitalism's, you know, if, if we're taking right. how much someone earns as commentary on how much the system values it, like they're they're completely out of In my opinion, out of sorts.
1: Yes. Yeah, no, that's a much better way of of explaining it. It's like society just doesn't value teachers and it should. (laughs) Indeed. Now, let me ask you this. Were you able to figure out which penny was the real penny? Oh, you know, I didn't like look up which one was the real one. Does he say which one is the real one? I don't don't think so, actually. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I looked at it. Yeah, I did look it up. I didn't look it up, but I thought it was... Um, yeah, which one would you say it was? Oh, shoot. I should have written down which one I thought it was. It was like in the middle. Because I was really curious if I would get this wrong or right.
0: Well, just so, well while, while John is looking this up, uh, he shows you a grid of 15 pennies. And every single one is very, is very slightly different than all of the next ones. You know, the he's facing the other way on one. He, it says E pluribus unum at the top, or it says, uh, so, and the, your challenge is to say, oh, which permutation of these, uh, pennies is the true one. And it's very, it's very difficult just by looking at it. Super Um, tricky.
1: So I thought it was the center one, like the one in the dead center. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Let me see if I can get this, uh, Uh, I was also wondering, so one of the pennies has this like one cent on the very bottom, like written in this silly looking font. And I think I have seen a penny that has that on it. So is that that, like, got
0: me, that got me. Cause I, okay. Cause just, uh, I mean, I'm, this (laughs) this is a very visual uh, conversation, so I'm (laughs) sure this is not coming across, but, um, the, penny that i thought it was is the one that said one cent on the bottom because i was like i was like oh. they've got to say they've got to say what uh w- what like the denomination. denomination it is right yeah. so it's like that's probably um but it was literally the only penny in the in the list that said one cent on the bottom <laughs> right. um so um neither of us were right it was it's the top left uh, it's just the very first one yeah
1: which direction is Lincoln facing? He's facing to the right, right? He's facing to the right. Okay, good. I, I wanted so to So you're least...
0: you were very close. You were very close. Literally, the only thing... The only difference is that it doesn't say E pluribus unum. It says uh, Liberty.
1: Um, oh, why Liberty. Weird. Okay, Liberty threw me off. I did not think we had Liberty on our coins. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but anyway, I have a
0: trick. I have a trick here. Uh, this is a little... Uh, a little standardized testing trick so in this case you have you're provided 15 different options and of course you're just going to skim you're going to scan you're going to pick one that feels right right mm-hmm. but there's a trick that works almost every time which is you look at all the different variables so there's like okay which way is he facing like that's one of the variables there's what does the top text say right and so for every different thing that's varying you look at all the different variables you count how many of each there are of each like permutation of that or like each each variable right so it's yeah. like in 11 he's facing right in 4 he's facing left right and then and then all you do is you just take the most common of every single one of those things and it's oh that's always the answer that is always the answer yeah because that's how they trip you up right they keep well right they want to give you they want to give you ones that are tricky
1: yeah
0: so they want to give you ones that are mostly right and a little wrong so but what what winds up happening is it always gives you the hint about what the right things are because they're the ones that are shared in common by the most options right and then <laughs> the one that has all of the most ones is always the right option so like if you have There's sometimes where you have multiple choice options, you can do this trick uh, where, oh, you know, this is in all three of them or what have you. Or this was this thing is only in one of them. It's almost certainly not in uh, not that one. And I got tripped up. I thought they were tricky. I thought they were trying to trick me with the one cent. But actually, it says one cent on the other side. On the reverse side Uh-oh. of the penny, it says one cent on the
1: bottom. Yeah. Uh, so, oh God. Okay, so I did not there. realize that. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, because my dad showed me this penny one time that was like metal, or well, obviously the penny's metal, but it was like <laughs> it was like steel or something. I can't remember. Yeah. It was some yeah. non-copper color, and I feel like he referred to it as like a World War II penny because yes. I guess they needed copper for bullets or something. Um, And I thought that that was the penny that said one cent and like Mm. copper ones didn't say one cent, but anyway, this is actually, this goes to another point, which is false retrieval that he talks about, uh, which is another topic that I've always found extremely fascinating in part because I had a really interesting childhood experience with false retrieval where uh, I did this really cool program where I was teamed up with a mentor And my mentor was a lawyer. And at the end of the program, I had to give a talk. And I think I was like 13 years old or something. And my lawyer recommended I do this this thing where in the midst of my talk, my brother would come up behind me and steal my mom's purse and like run away. Um, And my mom would go, oh, no, my purse or something. So basically this little crime took place during my talk. And then I, I handed out these surveys to the audience so that they could describe my brother. And uh, at the very end of the series of talks, I sort of gave the feedback of the surveys. And it was fascinating because people, <laughs> they just had the most incorrect like recall of my brother, like what he looked like, what race he was. I feel yeah. like there's a bit of racism that kind of crept out yeah, in the results. Yeah, yeah, yeah um you know my brother is very white uh and yeah the results were differing but yeah it was just this you know very it was during my formative years and it was this extremely uh telling event where it's like oh wow eyewitness testimony no value whatsoever worthless like worthless. should not yeah. be trusted
0: <laughs> yeah so. uh no i i i believe it and i am very to this day i really try to i'm always doubtful about my own memories oh yeah i'm just like i can't i know that memory is fallible and and it, and i it's other people I've been, I've been talking with bristle at this idea because i basically say i don't i don't think you can trust your own memory like people mm-hmm. and people are like no i i know i know what happened and i was like i don't think you can say that with as much confidence as you're saying that because yeah. i know we because we've done studies and yes you feel certain about it Right. But but what actually happened was your brain came up with something and you're just remembering what random thing your brain come, came up with when you were asked about it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Now so. I, I do this thing where I'll be telling a story and I, I start to just feel this like incredible lack of like confidence with the details of the story. And it's such a ridiculous thing. Cause I'll just be telling a story about like a vacation I took or something. But I'll suddenly start to feel like, wait, was that actually what happened? Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It's like this absurd, you know, feeling that I get sometimes. But yeah, it's just uh, the unreliability of, of uh, memory retrieval is pretty fascinating. Um, one point
0: he said that was very interesting to me is about how we're relying more on computers for our memory these days.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and he had a point that I really uh identified with where he was saying people have been like, "Oh, like if you don't have your GPS, you're not going to be able to get anywhere." And it's like that's a real problem. And I and I've kind of been like, is it though? I I think I'm going to put my money on we're going to continue to have GPS available, uh, you know, from <laughs> this point forward yeah and and it's like of course yeah is it possible that i could get into a situation where even though the global gps isn't down i don't have access to that and wayfinding is important maybe but but people are like no like it's a really important skill for you to like hone and what have you and it's like i don't think so (laughs) but so but this is basically the point that he makes where he's like there's a little bit of catastrophizing about the fact that we're relying on all these machines yeah and he's like we've been relying on tech technology this whole time fire you know like we've been we have these we build these houses we couldn't survive without the house it's it's an important technology and it's like well electricity and internet connections and things like that well yeah they're newer so it feels it doesn't feel like a, an absolute necessity but right as society prog- progresses, I mean, electricity at this point, it's like, of course, of course, electricity is an absolute necessity. But that doesn't mean there, you couldn't be without electricity for some period of time. <laughs> yeah. But like, you're not going to live your life assuming that you're going to lose access to electricity for, for any significant period of time.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it's such an innate condition of the human stain. It's like we are tool users, it's part of our, it's part of how we've adapted. We don't have any natural, you know, we don't have claws and like big yeah. fangs. Like we're tool users. We're completely dependent on tools. That's the whole, it's just part of our identity. So I have always found it hilarious when, you know, people are like, oh, we, we're too reliant on this stuff. It's like, dude, <laughs> we're human beings. It's like, it's weird. Th- that, that, that ship has sailed. Yeah. Um, did you
0: have anything, anything else?
1: Yeah, not about memory. I, uh, th- I think this kind of wraps up the memory side of things. Yeah, obviously,
0: ton, ton more uh, that about memory. But um, yeah, I think we can. Uh, oh, the w- the one thing that it was very interesting me to me. Did you know that Open Sesame came from Alibaba and the Forty Thieves?
1: Yes, I had heard that before. Yeah, uh, but that was a yeah. cool little anecdote. Yeah, I I don't remember the part where he go, he goes back to the door and he's like open barley, yeah. <laughs> and he just starts naming random grain. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A little gruesome,
0: yes. Uh, because uh, what happens is the guy gets stuck. He so basically, uh, Alibaba tells his brother about the secret code, which is open sesame, uh, into this uh, or open simsem, I guess, uh, into this this den A vault. of thieves. Yeah. yeah, of their, their, like, vault, and then he gets all the treasure, but he forgets how to get out. He's stuck there,
1: and then the yeah. thieves come back, chop his head off. And then um, quarter him.
0: <laughs> yes, dry, yeah, and, and quarter him. It's um, like,
1: what a gruesome... I mean, once you chop his head off, why do you need to quarter him? Like, what's going yeah, on Yeah, that's
0: just that's just pour, pouring salt into the wound.
1: But Yeah, it's like um, some weird, like, mafia body disposal or something. <laughs> I don't know, it's just weird. Um, all right, well... I mean, I think
0: that's all there is to say about memory. Then now that we've talked about uh, the fact that that guy in Alibaba's from Forty Thieves forgot <laughs> yeah. uh, how to how to say Open
1: Simpson. So. Great um, ending. I will see you next right. time. All right. See you next time.